0: Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend asked if I would read from my work as something they might find comforting and familiar amidst the uncertainty and anxiety we're experiencing from multiple sources in 2020. As of this opening, I've read Perishables, the first book of my five-book vampire and urban fantasy series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, a.k.a. falstaffbooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's a B-I-T dot L-Y slash Perishables link. Now I'm reading from my short stories and other works, and occasionally I'll invite on a writer friend for special episodes called Public Domain Radio. Thanks for listening. All right. Let's do some drinking. Normally, this would be my reading wine. And it's going to be my reading wine, but it's also my just like surviving the way that the world is right now wine. not going to lie about that. Oh, okay. We're not here to fix any of those problems though. Right now, we're actually here to distract ourselves from them. So, let's get back into Dracula, a novel which never fails to make me feel good, actually. I've never really totally understood why that is, but there you have it. I'm not totally sure where I finished, so I'm just going to dive in with 5th of May, The Castle. (coughs) 5 May, The Castle The grey of the morning has passed, and the sun is high over the distant horizon, which seems jagged, whether with trees or hills I know not, for it is so far off that big things and little are mixed. I am not sleepy, and as I am not to be called till I awake, naturally I write till sleep comes. There are many odd things to put down, and lest who reads them may fancy that I dined too well before I left Bistritz. Let me put down my dinner exactly. I dined on what they call robber steak, bits of bacon, onion, and beef seasoned with red pepper and strung on sticks and roasted over the fire in the simple style of the London cat's meat. The wine was golden medias, which produces a queer sting on the tongue, which is, however, not disagreeable. Oh, let's drink to that. I had only a couple of glasses of this, and nothing else. When I got on the coach, the driver had not taken his seat, and I saw him talking with the landlady. They were evidently talking of me, for every now and then they looked at me, and some of the people who were sitting on the bench outside the door, which they call by a name meaning word-bearer, came and listened, and then looked at me, most of them pityingly. I could hear a lot of words often repeated, queer words, for there were many nationalities in the crowd. So I quietly got my polyglot dictionary from my bag and looked them out. I must say they were not cheering to me, for amongst them were Ordog, Satan, Pukol, Hell, Strigoyica, Witch, vrolak, and Vlokoslek, both of which mean the same thing, one being Slovak and the other Servian, for something that is either werewolf or vampire. Mem, I must ask the Count about these superstitions. When we started, the crowd round the end door, which had by this time swelled to a considerable size, all made the sign of the cross and pointed two fingers towards me. With some difficulty, I got a fellow passenger to tell me what they meant. He would not answer at first, but on learning that I was English, he explained that it was a charm or guard against the evil eye. This was not very pleasant for me, just starting for an unknown place to meet an unknown man, but everyone seemed so kind-hearted and so sorrowful and so sympathetic "'that I could not but be touched. "'I shall never forget the last glimpse which I had of the inn-yard "'and its crowd of picturesque figures all crossing themselves "'as they stood round the wide archway "'with its background of rich foliage of oleander and orange trees "'in green tubs clustered in the centre of the yard. "'Then our driver, whose wide linen drawers "'covered the whole front of the box-seat,' "'Gutza,' they called him, cracked his big whip over his four small horses which ran abreast, and we set off on our journey. "'I soon lost sight and recollection of ghostly fears and the beauty of the scene as we drove along, "'although had I known the language, or rather languages, which my fellow passengers were speaking, "'I might not have been able to throw them off so easily.' Before us lay a green, sloping land full of forests and woods, with here and there steep hills crowned with clumps of trees or with farmhouses, the blank gable end to end. There was everywhere a bewildering mass of fruit blossoms, apple, plum, pear, cherry, and as we drove by I could see the green grass under the trees spangled with the fallen petals. In and out amongst these green hills of what they call here the middle land— ran the road, losing itself as it swept around the grassy curve or was shut out by the straggling ends of pine woods, which here and there ran down the hillsides like tongues of flame. The road was rugged, but still we seemed to fly over it with a feverish haste. I could not understand then what the haste meant, but the driver was evidently bent on losing no time in reaching Borgo Prund. I was told that this road is in summertime excellent, but that it had not yet been put in order after the winter snows. In this respect it is different from the general run of roads of the Carpathians, for it is an old tradition that they are not to be kept in too good order. Of old the Hospidars would not repair them, lest the Turks should think that they were preparing to bring in foreign troops, and so hasten the war which was always really at loading point. Beyond the green-swelling hills of the middle land rose mighty slopes of forest up to the lofty steeps of the Carpathians themselves. Right and left of us they towered, with the afternoon sun falling full upon them and bringing out all the glorious colors of this beautiful range, deep blue and purple in the shadows of the peaks, green and brown where grass and rock mingled, and an endless perspective of jagged rock and pointed crags, till these were themselves lost in the distance, where the snowy peaks rose grandly. Here and there seemed mighty rifts in the mountains through which as the sun began to sink we saw now and again the white gleam of falling water one of my companions touched my arm as we swept round the base of a hill and opened up the lofty snow-covered peak of a mountain which seemed as we wound in our serpentine way to be right before us look isenzek god's seat and he crossed himself reverently As we wound on our endless way and the sun sank lower and lower behind us, the shadows of the evening began to creep round us. This was emphasized by the fact that the snowy mountaintop still held the sunset and seemed to glow out with a delicate cool pink. Here and there we passed Czechs and Slovaks, all in picturesque attire, but I noticed that goiter was painfully prevalent. (laughs) By the roadside were many crosses, and as we swept by, my companions all crossed themselves. Here There were many things new to me, for instance hayricks in the trees, and here and there very beautiful masses of weeping birch, their white stems shining like silver through the delicate green of the leaves. Now and again we passed a later wagon, the ordinary peasant's cart, with its long snake-like vertebra calculated to suit the inequalities of the road. On this were sure to be seated quite a group of homecoming peasants, the Czechs with their white and the Slovaks with their colored sheepskins, the latter carrying lance-fashion their long staves with axe at end. As the evening fell, it began to get very cold, and the growing twilight seemed to merge into one dark mistiness, the gloom of the trees, oak, beech, and pine. "'Though in the valleys which ran deep between the spurs of the hills as we ascended through the pass, the dark firs stood out here and there against the background of late-lying snow. "'Sometimes, as the road was cut through the pine woods that seemed in the darkness to be closing down upon us, great masses of greyness, which here and there bestrewed the trees, produced a peculiarly weird and solemn effect.' which carried on the thoughts and grim fancies engendered earlier in the evening when the falling sunset threw into strange relief the ghost-like clouds which amongst the Carpathians seemed to wind ceaselessly through the valleys. Sometimes the hills were so steep that, despite our driver's haste, the horses could only go slowly. I wished to get down and walk up them as we do at home, but the driver would not hear of it. No, no, he said, you must not walk here. The dogs are too fierce. And then he added with what he evidently meant for grim pleasantry, for he looked round to catch the approving smile of the rest, and you may have enough of such matters before you go to sleep. The only stop he would make was a moment's pause to light his lamps. When it grew dark, there seemed to be some excitement among the passengers, and they kept speaking to him one after the other as though urging him to further speed. He lashed the horses unmercifully with his long whip, and with wild cries of encouragement urged them on to further exertions. Then through the darkness I could see a sort of patch of grey light ahead of us, as though there were a cleft in the hills. The excitement of the passengers grew greater. The crazy coach rocked on its great leather springs, and swayed like a boat tossed on a stormy sea. I had to hold on. The road grew more level, and we appeared to fly along. Then the mountains seemed to come nearer to us on each side and to frown down upon us. We were entering on the Borgo Pass. One by one, several of the passengers offered me gifts, which they pressed upon me with an earnestness which would take no denial. These were certainly of an odd and varied kind, but each was given in simple good faith, with a kindly word and a blessing, and that strange mixture of fear-meaning movements which I had seen outside the hotel at Bistritz, the sign of the cross, and the guard against the evil eye." then as we flew along the driver leaned forward on each side the passengers craning over the edge of the coach peered eagerly into the darkness it was evident that something very exciting was either happening or expected but though i asked each passenger no one would give me the slightest explanation this state of excitement kept on for some little time and at last we saw before us the pass opening out on the eastern side there were dark rolling clouds overhead and in the air the heavy oppressive sense of thunder It seemed as though the mountain range had separated two atmospheres, and that now we had got into the thunderous one. I was now myself looking out for the conveyance which was to take me to the count. Each moment I expected to see the glare of lamps through the blackness, but all was dark. The only light was the flickering rays of our own lamps, in which the steam from our hard-driven horses rose in a white cloud. We could see now the sandy road lying white before us, but there was on it no sign of a vehicle. The passengers drew back with a sigh of gladness, which seemed to mock my own disappointment. I was already thinking what I had best do when the driver, looking at his watch, said to the others something which I could hardly hear. It was spoken so quietly and in so low a tone. I thought it was an hour less than the time. Then, turning to me, he said in German worse than my own, There is no carriage here. The air is not expected after all. He will now come on to Bukovina and return tomorrow or the next day better the next day. Whilst he was speaking, the horses began to neigh and snort and plunge wildly so that the driver had to hold them up. Then, amongst a chorus of screams from the peasants and a universal crossing of themselves, a calash with four horses drove up behind us, overtook us, and drew up beside the coach. I could see from the flash of our lamps as the rays fell on them that the horses were coal black and splendid animals." They were driven by a tall man with a long brown beard and a great black hat which seemed to hide his face from us. I could only see the gleam of a pair of very bright eyes which seemed red in the lamplight as he turned to us. He said to the driver, you are early tonight, my friend. The man stammered in reply, the English air was in a hurry. To which the stranger replied, that is why I suppose you wished him to go on to Bukovina. You cannot deceive me, my friend. I know too much, and my horses are swift. As he spoke, he smiled, and the lamplight fell on a hard-looking mouth with very red lips and sharp-looking teeth as white as ivory. One of my companions whispered to another the line from Burger's Lenore, die totten reiten schnell, for the dead travel fast." I think that's a pretty good place to stop for now. I will see y'all next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. The theme music is Bucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons Attribution License at ccmixter.org.